0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking is a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB Public Media app.
1: kids and teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. It is hot outside. It's hot pretty much everywhere in America right now, but especially down here in the South. And so today we're going to be talking about how to stay safe in this heat and what are some things to look for. Um, We're also going to get into water safety because a lot of people are resorting to the water to stay cold during this heat. And so we want to talk about that, how to keep our kids safe and how to stay, what to do if something happens to your child when they're in the water. So I saw on the Today Show this morning, I had already planned to talk about the heat. And then I saw on the Today Show this morning that we had two of the highest global temperatures ever reached this past week um, because it is just hot everywhere. Um, And they said, from like all across america coast to coast about a hundred million people are affected by temperatures greater than 90 degrees right now so it's just hot everywhere you look you don't have to be here in mississippi or in the south um it's it's hot everywhere unfortunately and so today we're going to talk about how to stay cool and how to stay safe and what are some things to look for for signs of heat exhaustion um My cousin was just telling me one of her friends was down at the beach, and her friend is a nurse, thankfully, um, and saw a little baby, I think they said was only like 14 months old, um, that passed out and actually quit breathing because of heat exhaustion and um, had a little heat stroke right there on the beach. Um, And she was able to help them perform CPR, and they got the baby to the hospital, and as far as I know, the baby did okay. Okay. But it's happening everywhere, you know, and little ones are going to be ones that are more susceptible to it, as well as our elderly patients are going to be our two biggest risk um, categories for having problems from heat exhaustion. And heat strokes. Um, and so those are the ones that you need to be make sure that you're mindful of um, keeping an eye out for those patients, because these are the ones that are going to get really sick and are more prone to it. Um, also, you know, there's certain medications that you may be taking if you're on high blood pressure medicines and you're listening, you're probably going to be more at risk for it too, because a lot of our blood pressure medications um, are diuretic medicines. Uh, and in that case, that's going to make you more prone to dehydration. And we're going to talk a little bit why hydration is so important with keeping you cool Um, so if you are on a medicine uh, that is a diuretic medicine that's going to make you more prone to having problems from the heat as well so i just thought it was a good thing to talk about just something to make sure that we're mindful of oh and the other thing too is i think is so important to our kids are starting to start practice now um like uh, we're having football practice will be just around the corner and kids are doing you know two-a-day practices in the next couple of weeks Um, soccer is still going on baseball is still happening right now and so a lot of our kids are involved in go into all these practices and long tournament games and not only the kids but the parents and grandparents that go to these games you know you're sitting out in this heat as well so um, these are just some different scenarios and some things that I wanted to make sure people are being more mindful of because it is just ridiculously hot outside right now and we're going to talk about why it's a problem for us in the south here why it's so much harder for us to cool off because of our humidity So let's get into it and let's talk about it. So how do we how does our body cool off, which I feel like most people know this, but just kind of a reminder um, that the one of the best ways that our body cools is by evaporation and sweating. So our body will sweat. We have like 2.6 million sweat glands in our body. Um, and they're all over. Um, if you're a sweater, you know that. <laughs> you can sweat in all kinds of places. Um, but we have sweat glands all over our body uh, to help us cool and to help us regulate our temperature. So what happens is was we sweat. And when that sweat cools, um, when our body, eva- that water evaporates off of our skin, it helps cools us, cool us down. Um However, there are certain situations when it's harder for us to sweat. So, such as in the South and in Mississippi, and in this crazy high humidity that we have, um, when it's like, you know, 90 something percent humidity outside. So, if there is so much humidity in the air, it's harder for that water to evaporate off of our skin. And so when it can't evaporate, therefore, we can't cool as well. Um, Some of the other things we talked about, you know, medicines, in particular, blood pressure medicines, diuretic medicines. I think about those a lot because, goodness, I mean, we have so many adults that are on diuretic medications uh, for their blood pressure. And that can definitely affect the way that you can evaporate that and cool your body down. Some seizure medicines, some Parkinson's medicines, those are also known to decrease sweating. And I'm sure there are plenty of other ones out there, but these are just some of the more common ones that are I'm thinking about off the top of my head. Um, Some other things is uh, little babies. Little babies can't regulate their temperature. You know, when you bring home a baby from the hospital, you keep them all bundled up because they stay cold, um, and you got to really find that perfect temperature for them. Well, it's the same thing. They can't regulate their temperature when you're outside. Um, And it's little babies, too. It's not like you're giving them a lot of water. It's actually dangerous to give babies water until they get to be at least six months old. So these little bitty babies, if they're outside, you have to be really careful about trying to keep them cool. Um, Because it can, they're very sensitive and not very good at regulating their temperature. Um, Same thing as you get older, you know. um, Our elderly patients, again, not as good as regulating their temperature. They're also going to be a little more sensitive to those kind of changes. And, you know, when you get hot, we've all been there at some point where you get that kind of like faint feeling, dizzy feeling, you just feel off. Um, Well, unfortunately, as you get older, that just kind of happens. On the regular, you get that kind of like dizzy feeling, maybe feel a little off balance, Um, especially as you get into your, you know, like our patients in like their 80s, 90s, they're definitely going to have more balance issues. Um, And then so couple of those underlying balance issues with this heat and feeling faint, not a good combination. So our elderly and our babies, certain medications, being in the humidity, um, Alcohol, drinking alcohol can also affect that as well um, because it can make you it's it's not a hydrating drink when you're drinking alcohol, um, which can make you have problems with your sweating. You know, we need more water to help us cool off um, so we can we got to hydrate. And so if you're replacing that with alcohol, that's going to interfere with your body's ability to sweat. Um, having heart disease, poor circulation, um, those obviously can do that as well. Um, Sunburns. So if you're not wearing your sunscreen and you get really sunburned, that also can affect, you know, your body's temperature. And, you know, when you get sunburned, you feel that temperature, just that heat just radiating off of you. Um, But it can also uh, interfere with the way that your body actually cools as well. So So that is just some things to think about. So you want to make sure that you're keeping your – we're trying to figure out, in order to keep cool during this heat, we're trying to figure out ways to make sure that we're staying hydrated so that our body can sweat off. So when we talk about preventing, which we're going to talk a few more tips about how to, how to make sure that you stay safe during this heat, but I can't stress enough, and I'm going to say it a million times, but hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That is the most important thing. And mostly hydrating with water. So that's going to be the best thing is you want to dehydrate with water. Now, you can drink some of those electrolyte drinks like Powerade, Gatorade, all that kind of stuff. That's fine, but you don't want to drink too much of that. I usually tell people for every two to three drinks of water, you know, you can throw in an electrolyte drink or so. Um, But you really want to make sure that you're drinking mostly water because that's what our body's going to need. You are going to need some of those electrolytes. So if you're going to be sweating a lot in particular, like, you know, just for the regular, we mostly need water. But say you or your child is going to be outside exercising then you're probably going to want to throw in a little electrolyte drink too because you're going to be sweating so much and when we sweat we do lose some of that sodium chloride and potassium and some of those different electrolytes that our body needs. Um, So you want to make sure you throw one of those in every now and then but if you're just on the regular going to and from work um, just being out in this heat in general you just want to make sure that you're drinking plenty of water and I can't stress that enough. So typically we don't recommend having water until you're at least six months old so that's something to think about so if you're a little baby um, you want to avoid you feel like you know you need to hydrate them but really we try to avoid water until you get to be at least six months once you get six months maybe like four ounces the most eight ounces for the day Um, For our kids one to three years old, they need at least four cups a day, four to eight, about five cups a day, seven to eight, uh, greater than eight years old, at least eight cups of water a day. Um, And we tell adults you need, you know, anywhere between like 60 to 70, 80 ounces of water a day. And that's just in general. In the summertime and when it's so hot, you really need to drink more than that. Um, So I would shoot more for a goal of, like, closer to, like, 100 ounces a day. And now these – let me – give an asterisk for this that this is for people with healthy hearts healthy kidneys and it's you know your doctor has told you it's okay for you to drink unlimited amounts um, if you're somebody that is on fluid restriction which we do we do tell a lot of people with heart problems and kidney problems they they do have to be careful with their fluids um, but this is just in general for people with healthy heart healthy kidneys probably going to drink somewhere closer more to like 80 to 100 ounces of water a day to keep you hydrated. So you really got to drink a little bit more than you normally would to keep yourself hydrated. So I can't stress that enough. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And so I was saying healthy adults need anywhere between... Normally, 60 to 80 ounces of water a day, but when this heat, I would shoot more towards like 80 to 100 ounces a day. Kids, um, we can start letting them have water around six months, but really only need about four to eight ounces for the day. And then, as you're growing up, you know, one to three years old, maybe like four cups a day, four to eight years old, about five cups a day. And then, when you hit eight years old, you hit closer to like eight cups a day, which is around that 64 ounces um, that we kind of think about for people people usually need it for per day but again you want to make sure that you're drinking a little bit more than normal um, to make sure that you're keeping your body adequately hydrated so that you can cool um, and then I mentioned if you're going to be outside and exercising or your kids are going to be playing outside or anytime you know you're going to be exposed to this excess heat you and you're going to be sweating a lot. Then you may want to throw in an electrolyte drink like a Gatorade, Powerade. I don't know. Some of these waters now have electrolytes in them too. Smart waters. Um, I love a body armor. That's kind of become my, my new drink. I love that. This is kind of my electrolyte drink that I drink once a day. Um, just to give yourself a little bit of those electrolytes because you do lose some. You lose sodium, you lose potassium, you lose chloride when you're sweating. Um, you know, you get that kind of salty feeling on your skin. That's that sodium chloride, the salt that you have on your skin. So you are losing some electrolytes. So it is important if you're going to be sweating a lot to make sure to replace that. So what to look for? So what, do you, what are we looking for when we say heat exhaustion or a heat stroke? What does that mean? So heat exhaustion is kind of like the early signs, um, and you usually that's usually when your body temperature gets somewhere between 100 and 102 degrees, um, and so you get that kind of pale skin, you start sweating, you get that kind of nauseated, dizzy feeling, feel a little faint. We've all been there at some point. I mean, we live here in the south. Most of us that are listening live here in the south, um, and it gets hot in the summertime. And you've been out there. You've yeah, everybody's come at a time where you. haven't, been adequately hydrated and you've been standing outside and you get that kind of sweaty, dizzy feeling, lightheaded, where you just feel like you could pass out. Um, And then you also get that nauseated feeling. You don't really want to eat anything, you know, like maybe you're outside at a family reunion and you have all kinds of food out there, but you're you're so hot that you just feel like, well, I could throw up right now because you just feel so overwhelmed and hot. Those are signs that you're getting too hot. You know, if you start feeling some of those symptoms, that means you need to go somewhere where you can cool off, drink some water um, and let your body rest a little bit, because those are early signs that you could be getting overheated. Now, that's not like saying you're having a heat stroke or anything like that. That just means your body is starting to be affected by the heat. And so if you have felt that way, you know what I'm talking about, you know that feeling. And when you feel it again in the future, you need to make sure that you kind of get inside find a cool place and cool your body down a little bit because those can easily progress from what we're seeing there which is just like heat exhaustion to a heat stroke which can be fatal um, and with some people and then so heat stroke is when your body gets over 104 degrees for a prolonged time um, so we said heat exhaustion is when your body's like 100 to 102 but anything when it's like pro- persistently over 104 105 um, that is when your body can have go into a heat stroke and this is actually your body can some of the organs can start shutting down so this goes from just mild like i feel faint i feel a little dizzy i feel a little nauseated to more i'm confused um, you pass out Um, a lot of times at this point when you get so hot in the heat stroke it's set up to 50 percent of people especially kids won't even sweat at this point because your body has just gotten so overheated um, that you're really starting to have problems where like some of the organs are starting to shut down so this is something to think this is how you can and you can quickly progress from this heat heat exhaustion to heat stroke so if you see somebody that passes out they start acting confused um, at this point this is where you need to seek medical attention this is more than I just need to get them in a cool house and let them drink some water you need to actually get them to a hospital and get them checked out um, because at this point they're starting to have problems if you check their blood work you may notice some problems with their blood work like their sodium may be off their kidneys may be um, taking a little hit from the de- getting so dehydrated and so overheated and you need probably some iv fluids and some maybe potentially some other therapies at the hospital so just something to think about to be able to recognize what's happening. And if you are there, say you're at the family reunion and somebody passes out, or like I was telling you about my um, our family friend um, who had to do CPR on a little 14-month-old at the beach, um, what do you do if that happens? What if you're at the beach and you see somebody pass out? Or maybe you're at the family reunion and you see somebody pass out? You know, first, make sure they're breathing and make sure they have a pulse, because if not, you want to start CPR right away, which is what they had to do on um, that little baby at the beach. But if they are breathing and they are have a pulse, they're just a little confused, get them to a cool area as soon as possible um, and cool them off. However, you can do that. Spray cold water on them, put some ice on them, Get a fan, on them, and then obviously call emergency, you know, 911 or get somebody to get them to the hospital as soon as possible. I always think of like, if you got, if somebody is really hot, you know, some of the places to put the ice would be like on the neck, um, on the forehead, on the wrist, and then on your feet. If you can get like your hands and feet cooler and you can put it on your neck, a lot of times your body can cool off pretty quickly. Um, and so you want to make sure that you do that as rapidly as possible and get them to get some help. Um, we're talking today about how to stay safe in this heat. And right now we're talking about how to recognize signs that your body is getting overheated. Um, so there's really no wrong thing to do at this point. You just want to get them cool and call get them to have medical help. This is at this point they need some medical help. So um, it can be really scary. And so the faster you can act, the better the outcome is going to be. So what can we do to prevent this from happening? Because it all sounds really, really scary. And it is really scary if you've taken care of people with a heat stroke. Um, I've seen it several times in the hospital. People come in where they, you know, got overheated, passed out. Um, Unfortunately, we see it a lot in our elderly patients who may not have the best air conditioning situation at their home. And um, they will have been down for a day or two, and they come in um, with their kidneys shutting down, um, their muscles broken down, it's, it can be really bad. So this is some things that we want to make sure we prevent. So how can we prevent this from happening? I can't stress it enough. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That is going to be the best thing that you can do. Now, if you're going to be... Um, outside and you know you're going to be going to a baseball tournament that lasts all day and watching your kid play you want to start drinking a couple of days before that because you can't wait until the day of the tournament and your kid can't wait until the day of the tournament that they're playing um, to be adequately hydrated so you want to make sure that you're drinking plenty during the week so that you're preparing for that long tournament you're going to be at on saturday or whatever it is i'm just using a baseball tournament but it could be anything that you know you're going to be outside for a prolonged Period of time. Um, So don't, it always says, don't wait until you're thirsty to drink. Um, You want to make sure that you're drinking plenty beforehand so that you never get to that point. Um, You're going to get thirsty, but you know what I mean, no excessive thirst. You want to try to prevent that from happening. Um, If you're going to be outside, try to limit it, um, especially if you're going to be doing a lot of activities outside to not having. Prolonged activity. Um, they mentioned any activity more than 15 minutes, you should make sure you're taking breaks, um, is what the AAP says and what most places recommend, um, which is a little bit hard. You know, it's kind of hard to do when your kids out there playing a soccer game or a baseball game um, to make sure that they're taking breaks. Uh, more every 15 minutes but you know as long as they're taking adequate you know s- still I would say at least every 30 minutes they need to be making sure they're taking breaks I know my cousin played in a, a soccer tournament a couple of weeks ago in Baton Rouge and they actually delayed the game an hour um, until it got a little bit cooler I'm like oh, it went from 95 to 94 <laughs> you know at this point is so hot outside um, but they did delay the game a little bit just to try to get the temperatures a little bit cooler for the girls before they played so um, that's something to make sure you talk to your kids coaches about uh, at this point you know kids are kids they're not professional athletes they're not getting paid to do this they're doing this for fun it is okay for them to take a break during their sporting events and let them have some times to cool off let them have times to drink um, because our kids can easily I mean they're you know they're a lot tougher than most of our adults out there but they still can easily get over overheated and so you want to make sure that they're taking regular breaks. So this is something that you want to make sure that you're talking to your kids coaches about the referees about the umpires, whatever sport it may be that they're playing um, that they're going to have scheduled breaks if not every 15 minutes at least every 30 minutes for your kids to be able to take a break and get some some um, something to drink. Um, if you're going to be outside, you want to make sure that you're wearing like light colored clothing, dark clothing, we know just absorbs that heat a lot more. So if you're wearing light colored clothing, it's a lot cooler. If you can get some of that sweat wicking material, that makes a big difference. Um, because again, that just helps the helps it cool a little bit faster. Um, you want to get that sweat to evaporate off your skin. And if you have that sweat wicking material, it lets it breathe a lot easier um, than if you've had some some thicker clothes. So you lightweight clothes, light colored clothes sweat wicking if possible um and then um if you're going you know if you know you're going to be out there for a while you may want to make yourself like some cold compresses so like um getting some ice wrapped in a towel keeping it around your neck they have those fans now that are like so nifty that you can like wrap around your neck and have a fan on each side Um, sometimes with those fans though especially in this kind of heat it just circulates the hot air so you want to put it with some kind of ice or some kind of wet something spray water so that way it kind of cools it off a little bit but put a little compress around your neck Um, like i mentioned your feet and your wrist if you can keep those cool too that can also make a big difference with cooling your core body temperature down um I saw something, and I don't know how much to make of this, but when I was trying to research other tips, um, just some kind of like random tips to help people stay cool. One thing said, and I don't know if there's any medical background to this, but it kind of makes sense, is to eat spicy food, which sounds kind of like nasty in the heat to eat spicy food. Um, But it said the capsaicin, which is in a lot of spicy foods and peppery things, can actually make you sweat more. Um, And you know that if you eat hot spicy food, you do start sweating a lot. So um, it mentioned that that may be something that helps some people because when they eat the spicy food, it can help them sweat a little bit more, which I don't know, I thought was just kind of interesting. I had never heard that before. And The thought of eating spicy foods and the heat just kind of grosses me out, but it may help some people. Maybe that's something that you've found to be helpful for you. Um, and then like I said if you're going to be outside and it's so hot just make and you have a fan on you make sure that that fan has a way to cool that air because right now if you just put the fan on you it's just circulating the heat so put some ice in front of it make sure you have a cold rag on you so that when that air hits you it is actually cooling you off some so just a few things um oh and one last thing too that uh the right, You know, we talked about every 15 to 30 minutes, you need to make sure you're taking a water break. But if your kids are in a tournament or your grandkids are in a tournament where they're playing like multiple baseball games, multiple soccer games, whatever it may be, um, you need at least two hours in between each events. Um, so you want to make sure that. You know, if you play a game and it ends at one o'clock, the next game should not start till at least three o'clock so that they have plenty of time to get into a cool environment to rehydrate and to cool off before they have to go play another game. Um, And so, again, that's something that you kind of need to talk to your coaches about, talk to the refs, talk to the umpires, that you have a plan in place for your kids um, when they're playing sports in in this crazy heat. And we have a caller. So we will go to John. Good morning, John. What's going on?
0: I'm walking left and side. Get a rest. Your leg be burning down training the legs. What makes good for that?
1: Um, So there's a couple of things. Is this just in general, or is this like in the heat that your legs hurt and burn?
0: Right between your privacy
1: all down between your hips. Okay. Well, it could be a couple of things. So one thing that we think about, especially as you get older and if you have that burning pain when you're exercising down your legs, is circulation issues. Um, So we'll see this a lot in people who have poor circulation or smokers, people who smoked in the past. Um, If you are having a lot of pain in your legs when you exercise, you want to make sure that you're having decent circulation. Um, So you want to talk to your doctor, make sure that you've got good, strong pulses and that Um, that you're adequately perfusing your legs because that's going to be the number one thing we want to make sure that you're getting good good perfusion and circulation in your legs. Two, I would say the other thing is going to be your muscles. That's the other thing we think about. A lot of people don't stretch adequately, and they're putting a lot of strain on their muscles, um, and then that can lead to that burning and pain and that's that awful that kind of cramping pain too that you can get. Um, and so, if you're not stretching, we see that a lot. And then third is going to be hydration. Um, if your muscles, if they're not adequately hydrated, and especially um, eating an, an adequate diet to give you those electrolytes that we talked about earlier, um, that can also lead to more muscle cramps and muscle pain when you're exercising too. So those are going to be probably the three biggest things that I can think of. Oh,
0: okay. Thanks.
1: Yeah, hopefully that was helpful and answered your question, John. Thank you for calling. We appreciate it um you know they always say like drink pickle juice which kind of grosses me out too um but they say it helps a lot of people do and i think it's just a lot of those different juices and some of the different um it's kind of salty you know and so it just replaces some of those electrolytes as well so if you're getting that kind of muscle aching burning pain when you're exercising that can also be helpful but making sure the the biggest thing is making sure you're stretching making sure you're drinking plenty of water with a little bit of electrolytes and then most importantly make sure you have good circulation in your leg. Um, So before we finish talking about heat, um, I would be remiss if I did not talk about how to make it ensure that preventing a kid leaving in the car in this heat because every year it feels like we have one of these stories. Um, And so we can't talk about it enough. Um, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more people are going to be aware and making sure that you're always checking your back seats so that we're not leaving any kids in the car to overheat. Uh, Because it you can the car you know heats up quickly um so from some statistics i found it said that a car can heat up about 20 degrees in as little as 10 minutes so if you think right now it's 90 degrees outside and in 10 minutes the inside of your car can feel over 100 degrees very quickly within 10 minutes Um, and a child's body will heat up three to five times faster than adults you know we talked earlier about how kids especially babies are not the best at regulating their body temperature Um, so their bodies are going to heat up three to five times faster than ours would as an adult plus you think about how quickly the car is heating up that's just not a good combo When a kid is left in the car, and we talked a little bit about like the heat stroke, you know, the temperature once it reaches 104 and it stays 104 for a prolonged period of times, you can start having different organs shut down. Um, And so when the kid's organs, I mean, when the kid's core temperature gets to be 104, you start to see signs of that heat stroke that we talked about. If they stay long enough, when it reaches one hundred and seven, um, that's actually when we see children pass away. Um, when their body reaches that high, a, ca- a child can die, and the same with an adult as well. If, uh, you know, but we we think of this more as kids because kids can't, you know, usually you're in a car seat; um, they can't get themselves out of the car. So. So what can we do to prevent this awful thing? Um, Because it again, it happens and it it so easily can happen to anybody because we get in a rush, we get going and we go about our day. And especially if you're on the phone and you're talking and you're distracted, it can so easily happen to anyone. Um, So these are tips for everybody. So you always want to make sure that you're checking the back seat. I just got a new um, car a month or two ago. And one of the things is, is, if you, it's a van, um, so if you open one of the sliding doors in the back seat, then it prompts you when you cut the car off to make sure you check the back seat, uh, which is really nice. <clears throat> if you haven't opened the back doors, then it, it won't give you that prompt. But if those doors have been opened and then you cut the car on, before you cut the car off, it's going to make sure that you it prompts you to look in the back seat. Um, and I think this is a, fe- a feature on a lot of cars these days. Trying to give you that prompt to make sure that you're looking in the back seat. Um, but if you don't have a car that does that, then you want to make sure that something else prompts you to look in the back seat. So a lot of times I'll tell people, especially if you're not used to taking kids to daycare or taking kids to school, like maybe you're the grandparents and you're keeping the kid for the week, <clears throat> and so you're not used to dropping them off, put something in the back seat to make you remember to look in the back seat. So put your cell phone back there, um, you know, put your purse back there put your wallet back there Um, I've even heard of people saying that they take a shoe off and so they'll take one shoe off and they'll put their shoe in the back seat because they know they got to get the other shoe before they go into their building or wherever they're going about for their day Um, but just put something in the back seat of the car to make sure that you know to look in the back seat to make sure you get your kid out um, when you're when you're going somewhere the other thing to think about, you know, that's kind of the the common sense one that we think about: kids and getting overheated in a car, is being left in the car when the parents forget to drop them off, or whatever it may be. The other one that we don't really think about as much, um, but you know, kids love to play in the car. They love to sit in the driver's seat, honk the horn, pretend they're steering and the, the driving wheel. I mean, uh, pretend they're driving on the steering wheel. They also think it's a great place to hide for hide-and-seek. So those are some things we don't really think about. Kids, well, if your car's not locked in the garage, um, that's a common place for kids to go try to play. Um, you know, pretend they're driving the car or a good place for if they're playing hide-and-seek with, like, maybe a friend or a sibling. Hiding in the car is a good place, and they can accidentally lock themselves in the car. Happens a lot, unfortunately. So um, one important thing, if you have kids or maybe your grandkids are coming to stay with you, when you get, you don't really think about if you pull your car, especially if you have a closed garage, you don't really think about locking your car because it's closed in the garage. However, if you have little ones, you really want to make sure that you're locking your car so that your kids don't have access to get into your car. Um, Because again, that can be a place that we think about um, for kids getting locked in the car and getting overheated. So um, just something to think about. They always say if you're outside playing or maybe you're inside and you can't find your kid, the first place to look is always the car or always a pool. Um, So just because kids are nosy kids are adventurous. They're curious. um, And so they'll go straight to that car. So make sure you're locking your car, even if it is in a closed garage, make sure you're locking your car to prevent your kids from getting in there. And you want to make sure that you're also talking to your child about it. Like, you know, the car is not the place for us to go play. Um, Especially you don't want to climb in the trunk. You know, some of the cars have like little places where you can pull down that middle seat in the back and you can climb through to the trunk. Um, So you want to make sure that you're talking to your kids about that so that they're knowledgeable and they're not going to hopefully go to the car for hide and seek in this heat but we can't always prevent that from happening so you want to make sure that you're locking the car so um, just a few tips for the heat we want to make sure that we can and the same goes for pets too you know i talked about kids um, but the same is for pets too you know you don't need to leave your pets in this kind of heat either pets can get overheated the exact same thing can happen to them so be mindful of that um, if you see that happening, you know, maybe you're walking into Walmart and you see a kid in the back seat of the car um, that's locked in there, you call 911. Like, nobody's going to fault you for being overly cautious about this. I feel like it's kind of our civic duty um, if we see something like that happening to make sure that we notify the authorities um, and get that kid out of the car um, because we want to do everything we can to protect those babies. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We have talked today about the importance of heat safety. We have talked about how to recognize and what to do if you get overheated or if you see somebody experiencing a heat stroke, um, how to prevent it. And now we're going to talk a little bit about water safety and a little bit of time we have left. So water safety, that's another big thing. And it is one of the things that I'm like super paranoid about, um, especially now that I have children. But even before I had kids, it's something that I just drowning just scares me to death with little ones. And as a pediatrician, i I always ask parents, like, um, as we're getting closer to the summertime, have you thought about swimming lessons? <clears throat> Can you swim? Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of parents can't swim. So how they can't teach their kids to swim because they don't know how to swim. Um, and so it's really important to make sure that uh, everybody has taken swimming lessons. Your kids, um, parents, grandparents are familiar with that. Um, I personally think it's a good idea for everybody to get CPR trained and certified, too because you never know what kind of situation you're going to be in. So if you have a little one and you're taking them to a swimming pool or you're taking them to the beach or um, maybe like your babysitters or they're going to be taking your kids to the pool for the summer, you want to make sure that anybody that's going to be taking care of your kids and they're going to be around water, um, I would recommend that they be CPR certified because I think that's going to make a big difference if they know what to do if something unfortunately were to happen. We know the biggest things with drowning, um, when preventing, uh, when determining kind of the long term outcomes of the drowning situation, um, the biggest one is gonna. The biggest two things are time submerged, so how long they stay under the water, and how quickly CPR gets started. Um, so those are going to be the two biggest things that can we know can affect the long term outcome after somebody drowns. So um, trying to be as most uh, diligent and aware you can around water with your children. And two, if by chance they unfortunately do go underwater and drown, getting them out as quickly as possible and starting CPR. So that's why I say trying to have as many people as you know around your kids that do know how to swim and have taken swimming lessons um, and two are CPR certified because that's going to make the biggest difference. Um, drownings account for at least 500,000 deaths worldwide um, and about 4,000 each year in the U.S., and a thousand of those are kids. So we really see like two different peaks for drowning. We see young kids under five which we typically think about toddlers um when you hear about a kid drowning it's usually somewhere between that two one two three years old Um, but it can really happen at any age but those are going to be the biggest ones we see under five and then we see another peak um particularly in males but about 15 to 25 and this is more of um overconfident poor decisions (laughs) and these are usually more in like um open water swimming areas so like lakes rivers oceans um i mean it 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 can happen anywhere but these are typically the two peaks that we see um and so it can these are the age groups that i want you to kind of be more mindful of because this is when we typically see it so um and it it honestly can happen to anybody i I, jay did you hear about that um old arkansas quarterback that died last week in a drowning accident
0: i did awful there are – you You make a good point. There, are, It seems like there are two or three – not celebrities is not the word, but, but people that it seems like a lot of us have some sort of connection to in mm-hmm. one way or another that we've seen on TV or something like that, mm-hmm. that drown. And you're like, oh, wow.
1: Yeah. And so I think he was like 35 and a former college athlete. Like, I mean, it can happen yeah. to anybody. So this is not something to take lightly, and this is why I'm like – so passionate about it it makes me like this is one of these things that i just get worked up about and i I talk about all the time um with my patients so but these are the age ranges to be more mindful of but again it can happen to anyone it can happen to a 35 year old college athlete that's just out in the ocean with his friends well that's
0: the one especially to me i mean it's one thing in a pool and it can happen just as easily there i mean Mm -hmm. even one without a deep end i Mm -hmm. mean it, it It can easily sneak up on anybody with the right circumstances, but especially when you're at the beach. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, there there are a lot of things to learn about and pay attention to while you're at the beach.
1: Yeah, we were just there a couple of weeks ago, and, I mean, the current was strong. Like, I I mean, I wouldn't go past my knees, and I'm a a decent swimmer, but, I mean, it – it was strong. Like I, especially holding uh, my little one out there, I would not go past my knees just because I didn't trust myself out there, much less me holding someone out there. It was really scary. So, um, but just something to think about. These are the two ages and, you know, it really only takes like two inches of water, um, for your child to drown. So these little bitty toddlers who aren't very big, it doesn't take much water and you can drown in the bathtub. I mean, it's Absolutely. scary to think about. But and I mean, that's kind
0: of what, what my point was about, I mean, it doesn't matter how shallow the pool mm-hmm. is. I mean, that stuff can sneak up on you.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you know, we always tell parents when they're bringing home their baby, you know, start water safety as soon as you bring them home. Even from their first bath, you have to be mindful of it.
0: And like I was saying, look, beach safety is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those flags, they mean different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they're all... Different levels of warnings for safety for your safety. So, yes. and it, like if you're like me and you live three hours from the beach and you're not a beach bum, you're a city kid or whatever. Um, I mean, it's it's a whole different thing than going to the pool, right? Uh, so it it and there's there's different things to learn, not just for the water, but like you like you've been saying for the summer shows for years, I mean, the, the, the beach, the sand, all that's hot. There's, you know, reflective sun rays everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of things that you can get into if you're not prepared. Right. Or if you don't know what you're doing when you go to the beach.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so bath time is a time to think about too. never leave your kid. I think about it sometimes like I try to make sure I have everything when we're getting ready for the bath. Like I have their towels, I have the bath cloth, I have their diapers, their pajamas, everything ready because I I don't ever want to have to walk away from the bathtub. Um, even though, you know, mine's older now and I feel like she'd probably do fine, even if I stepped away for a few seconds, I still don't even want to take that risk. So, you know, it's things like that that you kind of have to just, just even be prepared for bath time um, because it can happen anywhere to anybody. Um, if you have a pool, one thing that they recommend is the rule of fours um, to prevent and to help protect your children. So, you want to have a fence on all four sides of the pool or if you have like a circular pool all around the pool um, it needs to be at least four feet high and the slats in between the for the fence don't need to be more than four inches wide so if you can just remember the rule of force four sides four feet high slats not four inches apart and that's going to be the safest fence um, for your pool so if you have a pool and you're going to have children around it's a really good idea to make sure that you have a fence around your pool and it's not even just for your kids like you know if you live in a, a neighborhood like kids can come get in your pool and you have to think about that kind of stuff like if you're not home and somebody knows you're not home and they want to go try to swim in your pool having the fence around it you know helps protect you, helps protect your kid, uh, protect the other kids. You know, you just have to think about that kind of stuff. Um, And with the pool gate, I mean, with the pool fence, you want to make sure that it has a self-closing and self-latching gate um, so that it does stay closed. The door does stay closed to that fence. Um, And then, you know, like we mentioned earlier, swimming lessons, too. I do recommend swimming lessons in kids. A lot of places won't take kids until they're at least two or three years old. The AAP really doesn't recommend any swimming lessons under one. Um, There are some places out there, especially that infant rescue, um, the ISR, which sounds like to be a pretty good thing. Um, So they do start it under age one. Um, But the biggest thing you want to make sure that your kid is learning early in swimming lessons is what to do if they fall in. Um, So you really can't start them too early. I highly recommend swimming lessons for kids. Um, but thank you all for listening today And hopefully this will help you have a rest A safe rest of the summer With staying safe in this heat and with the water um, Thank you to our callers This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio And it's funded in part by a grant From the University of Mississippi Medical Center And generous support from listeners like you Today's show was engineered by Jay White I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens And stay tuned for NPR's Hearing Now
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast